This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how Aloe Moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings or even just like a bad day is to hop on AlloMoves.com and reset. Aloe Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Aloe Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Allo Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com, code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. (laughs) 
Hello, welcome to Fat Mascara. I'm Jen Sullivan. I have an awesome interview for you today. Uh, Nadia Stacy is here. She's a British hair and makeup designer for film and television. So her job is to work with the director, costume designers, and eventually the actors on a television show or a film and design the look of the characters and oversee the makeup and hair team throughout filming. So she's worked on numerous TV shows and movies such as Eddie the Eagle, The Secret Garden, The Father, and The Favorite, which won Best Hair and Makeup Design at the British Independent Film Awards and the BAFTA Film Awards in 2019. So this year is when I discovered, well, last year I discovered her work. I became enamored with Cruella, the Disney film starring Emma Stone and based on the character from 101 Dalmatians, the animated movie. And she is the makeup and hair designer. Just wow. If you're into fashion, music, fashion, history, makeup, hair, you have to see this movie. She and her teams create this 70s kind of glam punk vibe with 90s grunge with a little 1800s Regency era. It is fabulous. And I'm going to be honest, when I first heard that they were going to be making a live action version of the Disney animated film, if you picture Cruella, the villainess from that film, and taking her into real life with Emma Stone, honestly, it could have gone so, so wrong. But it went so right. The hair and makeup is amazing. And I am not the only one who thinks so. Get this, just a few days ago, Nadia Stacy and her colleagues, Naomi Don and Julia Verno, were nominated for an Academy Award in Hair and Makeup Design for Cruella. The movie was also nominated in Costume Design, and it's just such a fun watch. So our interview actually took place before the nomination, but Nadia explains why she thinks hair and makeup should actually be two separate awards uh, at the Oscars and other types of award ceremonies for film. She also talks about some of the other movies that had amazing hair and makeup design last year, including some of her fellow nominees, which she did not know at the time would be nominated. Uh, Plus, we talk about her career, her mentors, and basically how she works, how she takes and interprets a script and develops a character based on that, why she loves working on period films, and how filmmakers work to recreate history accurately, and sometimes, and sometimes on purpose, not so accurately. So Nadia, if you even have time to listen to this podcast that we made together now that you're an Oscar nominee, thank you for coming on the show and congratulations on your nomination. Nadia, welcome to Fat Mascara. I am so excited to have you here. I'm obsessed with your work. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm very honored. I look back at everybody you've... uh interviewed and I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I'm the one that's very excited. No, we, we've we had a lot of people that I guess aren't really your colleagues. We haven't had that many people who work in film like you did. We did have a dental technician who works on set with like prosthetic teeth. But other than that, I just really wanted to talk to you about movies. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about you. What's the first job you ever had? Oh, you know what? It's like a running joke at home that how many jobs I've actually had because because I didn't know what I wanted to do for so long. But the one, so honestly, I have done everything imaginable. I think, but um, <laughs> the one that really kind of stands out from leaving school, I guess, was um, I worked at an art college. It was like a private oh. art college, and I worked as an assistant there. 
I don't know if you remember that time that everyone went crazy about those kind of paint effects. You know, like everyone was rag rolling things and sponging things and faux marbling things in their house. And um, there was a... Yes, yes, my mother's home still has some of that. (laughs) Yeah. And there was a a private college that would kind of advertise in the back of homes and gardens or that kind of thing. I worked at one of those and I did actually really love that job. So yeah, that was kind of one of my, the ones that's stick in my mind but yeah I've done everything from working in a baker's to had a morning at an accountant's once and then realized that I could barely figure out the calculator (laughs) I thought this is not for me (laughs) and so what's like the first dollar you ever made probably before you know university right or school I did lots of like working in paper shops and stuff like that kind of local shops and um when I was when I was at at school, I think. Yeah, I've always been pretty, I've always been pretty good at kind of wanting to earn, earn my own money, you know, and sort of, uh, and get out there and work. So yeah, I had lots of, lots of jobs in local shops and paper shops and stuff like that. This is a very varied resume. So how did you end up getting into the movies things? Like what, where, where was the love that turned into that? Was it for fashion, for makeup, for hair, for faux finishes on walls? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) it basically was a long time of I I mean it sounds like quite a sad tale but basically what happened was that when I was at school I always knew I wanted to do something arts based and I loved drama and I loved art and I kind of struggled in other subjects and but that is where I wanted to be and I think I probably thought at school that I would go to, to drama school and do something in that line but I grew up in a very kind of poor if you, I guess um ex coal mining village in the Midlands in England and I'm mm-hmm. one of four and and my family just didn't have the money to put us through university or send us to drama school and I was thinking about it and I think kind of like late 80s early 90s it wasn't it, those kind of things felt so out of reach unless you kind of I guess grew up in London or in big cities it didn't feel like something that I could do and so I always dreamed of doing something arts based but I didn't really know what it was and I guess that's why I ended up at an arts college and and just kept going around job to job trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do then I found out about a course that did media makeup I applied to it not thinking that anything would kind of happen and and while I was thinking about whether I'd get on the course I started to look into things like watching the thriller videos and watching people and watching the elephant man mm. and that makeup could be so transformative in film and then I started to realize that it was actually a job for someone and you could do this so but again felt so out of reach from my tiny little town that I grew up in and um and then I got on the course, which was kind of unbelievable. And yeah, that was where the kind of love started, really. And you said you were into drama. So are you comfortable on the other side of the camera? No, that is the thing. Thank goodness I didn't end up going to drama school because any time I've been in quite a lot of films that I've worked on, but only because... They've done that thing where uh-huh. they can't get the extras or they can't get... So they're like, oh, some of the crew just step in. And I, I always thought that I would love it. But when that camera turns around and goes on you, the panic. <laughs> so, no, 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 I'm not. I'm definitely <laughs> comfortable on the side I'm on, for sure. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't have done it. My nerves would have been too bad. 
Um, you ended up in the right place. So you went to this course that you, you mentioned. How long was that course? Like, was did that give you the skills that you needed, or did you more learn on set and through apprenticeship? How did you get your training? Yeah, so that course was a two-year course that was in media makeup, and then in the evenings you did you studied hairdressing as well. You learned all aspects right. of media makeup, from kind of period to wigs to fashion makeup to prosthetics and hair and so I did that for two years and that course also sent you out onto tv shows here that so you could get set experience it was a it was a really good training but when I came out I realized that the training really starts you can learn those those kind of fundamental the basics but it really started I think when you get out and onto set that's where you kind of because it's a very different thing when you're making up somebody that you're in college with yeah. to suddenly having an actor in front of you <laughs> and it's real. That's, it, it, it's quite scary. So, um, but I, I think that training continues all, all the way through. I'm continually learning things now. So I don't think that stops really. Of course. And, and the more you learn, it's the more you realize there's so much more to learn, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm always, my, you know, I learn things from my team all the time and, but I, I think I, what I'd learned from being on that course was when I look back on it, what that I'm definitely a designer. I'm definitely, technically there are people in my team that are really strong with hair or really strong with fashion makeup or really strong with prosthetics. And I, mm-hmm. you know, my job is to put that team together and have all those people with all those skills. And I think what the course taught me was that I'm definitely a designer. My my biggest skill is kind of what I want it to look like. I can see that and then getting the right team around me to kind of do that. Yeah, so I've seen how you're credited in movies. And to me, does the designer, would that be sort of like the creative director of the hair and makeup in a way because you're leading the team? Yeah, so I come in right from the beginning and I'm overseeing the whole hair and makeup Mm -hmm. for everybody. And then I work with the costume designer and the production designers and obviously the actors and the directors and and set what the design is across the board. So every hairstyle, every every makeup, even down to lipstick shade, that would, you know, that would be my decision. So it's overseeing that whole picture. Maker, yeah. And I've noticed also in some of your credits, uh, I guess this was further back in your career, that it'll be just the hair for this TV show or just the makeup. Does that still happen? Or now you're just pretty much the lead designer whenever you're working? No, I've, I've only been... Uh, I've, I only design now and I've, that's been like that for probably about probably about 10 years now. And th- so there's a kind of working your way up mm-hmm. to that. I started as a, right. as a trainee and then went into as a junior and then you mo- work up to a makeup artist. And sometimes at that point you're hired in for different things depending on what that designer needs, whether they need a hairdresser or a makeup artist. Or So I was learning all those skills. And so even though sometimes... I can hire someone that technically is stronger in that area. I understand what it is. I understand how to do it. Right. But now I have the the kind of privilege of getting the best people at that to come in and and do that. You you mentioned all these parts, the wigs, the prosthetics, makeup, costumes, hair. I mean, honestly, also therapy and psychology. Like you're you're working with a lot of egos, a lot of personalities, the directors, the, you know, everybody, even the people in the set. What's your favorite part of that job? And you're allowed to say it's before I even have to meet anybody in my little studio drawing pictures. That's fine too. <laughs> Always the best bit is getting the job. 
It's always it's always the best bit. When my agent calls and says, <laughs> you've got the job, and then I get to do the research. The research is really, that's the bit I love. Because it's just me and books and, you know, however I research something. If it was a period piece, I might be going to the castle where that queen lived or something, you know, whatever, it, however I approach that. That bit's always so fun. And then you get into the hard bit where you've actually can, got it. Yeah, can we talk about that? Like... Tell me, like, how long before you start, like, the first day of filming, are you researching? And how do you approach it? Does it depend on the film? Yeah. I mean, we never get enough of terror makeup. I'd like to say that now. <laughs> Costume are always on board months before. And then hair and makeup, we're always fighting uh-huh. for more time to prep. So for something like, I think for something like The Favourite, I had about seven weeks prep. Oh, that's not a lot for a period piece. No, and that, you know, and in that time, you've got to get everything ready. You have to get all the wigs ready. You have to get everything ready, do the camera test, do everything within that seven weeks. So it's not long at all. Wow. And, you know, you'll often find if you speak to her makeup designers, that actually, we're starting way before on our own time. As soon as you get that job, you're kind of getting your mind into it. And for something like that, I kind of always start with books because I have quite a big book collection. So I start with those first. My books are full of post-it notes. So anything that I find of interest, I stick my little post-it notes in. Or And then, yeah, depending on what, what the job is, really. I like to kind of immerse myself in whatever it is. So for the favourite, I visited the palaces that they lived in and put, kind of tried to put myself in that world as much as possible. And went to the National Portrait Gallery to look at original paintings and that kind of thing. So, and I always love that kind of research. I tend to do a lot of period things or character-based things so that I can immerse myself into it and find something to recreate or or create something new. I am sure there's discussions with the director and all and the costumer and all of that, but do you ever get to bring in like a historian to be like, would they have used bobby pins in this hairstyle? Sometimes they have them on set. Sometimes they bring them in. And because there's lots of things that they have to check, you know, would a, would a man have um, shook a lady's hand at that time or that kind of thing? There's all those conversations going on. Would, you uh, know, yeah. we were doing something once and I think it was in the nine, set in the 1950s. The costume designer, Sandy Powell, who I work with a lot, she said she's great with that kind of stuff. And she said oh, the lady wouldn't be on the side of the road if a man and lady were walking then. The man would be on the roadside and the lady would be on the pavement because he would be protecting her from the car. So there's all those kinds of things that you have to think about. So they often bring in historians to talk about, you know, and and to tell us that kind of stuff. Or And that stuff is really interesting. I I tried to do that a lot in The Favourite using not actual original things that they would have used for makeup, but to find out what it would have been and recreate that. I was just going to ask you about that. Like, so do you, how into it do you get? Like, is it like, I'm not going to use any silicone serums and hairspray because they didn't have that back then or, or what? Sometimes I try and do that. I mean, hairspray was banned on that job particularly I wasn't allowed to use any hairspray (laughs) the director banned us for accuracy or someone's allergies accuracy (laughs) and he wanted it to be oh wow yeah so when the film came out and I first saw it I thought I'm gonna get crucified for this because the hair was so fuzzy and so messy and 
I just thought no one's going to, no one's going to get why we've done this. Oh no, it was awesome because you get, you get immersed. You feel like you're there. The thing that I wish, I just want someone to do a movie where like the teeth are historically accurate. That's all I want. And the skin, you know, they probably all had boils and, and needed orthodontia work. And we have these celebrities with these teeth and you just like, there's no way they looked like that. I know. And it's great. It's so exciting when you get a director like your girls from the favorite that uh, really wants you to go there as well and really wants the actor to go there, you know, doesn't want, will not let you cover up spots or anything like that. Would you want, wants all that kind of stuff, wants any imperfections to show. That's actually really exciting when you get that. And it doesn't happen very often, but being able to create something that real is, is really exciting. And, and, And when I kind of got over the fact of people were people going to get it then actually I thought no this is great that we see this this is great that these wigs look dirty and the makeup looks like sweats run into it and it's fantastic and so I know some of your movies like are historically accurate like Eddie the Eagle or you know Tolkien but then you have Corella where it's a fantasy world so you got to take some time periods and play with them what was that like oh it was like being a kid in a candy store it was just I, I I really thought when I first started this is Disney it's such a huge franchise it's uh, such an iconic character they're going to they're, they're going to shackle me somewhere and then when I started to kind of push it and say hey what if we did this what if we tried this and and some of my mood boards I mean my, I had a room with mood boards that was all around this room and there were some crazy references on there. And then no, at no point did anyone... Tell me. ...kind of push me back. It was great. Well, it was like there was stuff from 1920s. There was kind of like like vaudeville acts. There was 1920s makeups. There was 50s makeups. There was avant-garde hairstyles. There was drag. There was... I had everything. Anything that I thought was interesting that we could do something different... Because the biggest thing for me was this was punk. And the whole idea of punk is is such a mashup of all these different ideas and this and stealing things yeah. from different periods and mashing them together. And I and I just thought, well, if that's the case and that's the era that we're based in, there's, surely there's no rules really. That's the whole thing. There isn't any rules with punk. It's, you know, that was that was the point. It was kind of against any system that was in place. It it kind of kicked back to that. So I, I guess because I was saying, you know, that I immersed myself into those worlds, I f- felt a bit punk. <laughs> I kind of felt like <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm just gonna push this and go for it. And um, yeah, I, I think I feel sort of quite brave at the moment that I'm. Maybe the favorite did that. That I don't want to play by the rules and I don't I don't want to and I don't mind if it splits audiences I don't mind if someone watches it and thinks "Mm, that could have been different or that could have been or in their opinion look better or whatever but I I I think I I I want to sort of create art really and not play by the rules so it was the perfect opportunity to do it with Cruella. I'm curious did you ever feel like I don't know that you inspired that then the music changed because of it or the people's acting changed because of it once they're in character. Like, do you feel like you have an, an effect on that in, in that movie particularly? I definitely think if you get it, if you get it right, 
you see actors change mm-hmm. in front of you. When we first did the makeup on on Emma, she, you know, she changed. There's a physicality changed, her voice changed it. And then that is part of our process. That's a huge part of the process. And that's what I love about what I do, that we help to create the character. And along with costume, that gives that actor something. And sometimes it's the smallest detail as well. But everything I did for Cruella, I wanted to put myself in the mind of Estella, who's this young punk girl living in London. What would she be using? What makeup would she be using? Who's she looking at? Who's inspiring her? What music is she listening to? So everything came from something that would be rooted of who that girl is. And I, I guess, I mean, I'm talking for Emma, but I guess when you, when you do that, that then adds to who she is as a character. And so, and that's a, that's a really exciting part of the job for sure. And we, we, it was a really fantastic space that the director was playing punk music as we were shooting. He, shot scenes and then said hey come here and he got the editor to put it together really quickly so we could just kind of see what we were doing so we were all sparking off each other really and it made you more brave it shows it really shows it like comes together in a way like it feels like a music video at times and some of those party scenes I was like this is like the coolest music video you could ever be in right now. You mentioned you mentioned Emma Stone, and I I noticed there's a couple actors you you tend to work with a, a few times, like Olivia Coleman. You've worked with a few times. How does that work? Does it happen that like actors start to ask for certain people to do the design of the makeup and the hair, or it's the same director set? Like I I've noticed with other people in your job as well, like you, they tend to stay together. What's what's going on there? I mean, I guess if you have done a good job and you've all got on. Because the movie is a long time to be with someone, you know. We're the first people they see in the morning and it's a long day together. So if you've got through that process well and you've had fun and it's been creative, it kind of makes sense to to work with those people again. The thing with Emma yeah. was from The Favourite, obviously, and we all just became very close from that I was friends with Olivia before we I did my first designing film with Olivia and we've been friends since and and actually the favorite wasn't the just so happened that it was me and Olivia again it didn't it wasn't I don't I don't think that was through her okay so it's kind of just come together at certain points that we've all got back together but now if Emma's doing something here she'll ask me and she means she asked me it Cruella is hands down because of her that's why I, why it's happened for me. I just got a phone call on a Saturday night at home making the dinner. Do you want to do Cruella for Disney? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hadn't, hadn't even read the script, hadn't met the director. And nothing. not even knowing what freedom you're going to be given with it. It's it's exciting, even if you had to just do the animated version and, and a, that looked just like the Disney movie, still would have been cool. Yeah, if it was just hanging out with Emma here, working with her, doing that, still cool. Still a fantastic opportunity for me, but absolutely no idea. The only kind of inkling, I guess, was that they had chosen a director that wasn't mainstream. He was from an indie... yeah kind of offbeat background and that made me think oh hang on a second what's what's this going and also Tony McNamara wrote the script who wrote the favorite which is very offbeat too so when you pair those together you do kind yeah. of think oh maybe actually I can 
but I didn't realise how much fun there was to be had <laughs> until we got going. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset, so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area, so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's Highest Air is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Hey everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how aloe moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings or even just like a bad day is to hop on allomoves.com and reset. 
Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Allo Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned this room with all these references because I felt like I noticed some references in that movie, but like who who were the pictures of that you were pulling for all these punk references that were like 1800s punk sometimes? Yeah, I had, I had loads of stuff. As a German singer called Nina Hagen, she was definitely the main reference for Estella, with the red hair and the French. Oh, she was, totally can see it. Yeah, she was up on my wall in front of me and... I don't know where she came from. I don't know which one of us or whether we all had her and suddenly all got together. But Jenny costume had her. Craig direct had her. She was definitely a a reference for us all. Um, Obviously, Susie Sue, those eyes were... Susie Sue and the Banshees was absolutely... There was lots of pictures of her all over my walls and that very square punk eye shape was from her for sure. Bowie for Artie, you know, definitely went down that kind of glam rock, Mark Bolan. Lots of drag. I'd done a film about drag before, so I had drag queens on the wall as well. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, lots of stuff. But then I was really inspired by... What's the kid's name? What's the movie about drag that you did? Oh, uh, everybody's talking about Jamie. Jamie, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I'd I'd done that and been kind of immersed in that world for a while. So drag was definitely one. But I was really inspired by Vivian Westwood because we were set in 1977 and I I think she opened the shop Sex in 77 on King's Road. So that would have been such a like crazy thing to be happening in in the 70s at that time. So again, I was back in that mindset of that this Estella would be seeing what was going on and seeing people like Vivian Westwood. And um, so she was a huge influence. And what she does with period really inspired me. That idea of taking a period shape and then turning it on his head was really exciting. Galliano, the Pat McGrath makeups from Galliano, definitely. I just loved that. Yeah, oh, I could see it, yeah. Smoky, smudgy. I like the kind of imperfection of things. I don't, I, I, I like that kind of, I think that era suits me very well. So yeah, there was... A, Are you a punk? I, my music, to, I mean, I'm not, but I think if I was in, I think I was born about, 10 years too late. I think if I was in that era at that time, <laughs> I definitely would have been. My music yeah. taste is about 10 years before it should be. 
Uh-huh. I was very excited to be... You're a, punk, you're a punk at heart. I'm definitely punk at heart. Yes, definitely. I don't really dress yeah. like it, but I, yeah, I'm punk at heart. There was a, a Vogue, I think it was a Vogue cover that throughout this whole Cruella thing, which has been amazing, but I think it was a Vogue cover that said, um, Nadia Stacey turned Disney punk. And I, that was the greatest thing for me. That out of everything, I thought, that yes. is... So cool. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm okay. That's like one of those things like, okay, if I get a gravestone and it says that, I'll be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2021 was a big year for you. It's exciting. I have to ask you too, just because like we're coming up on award season about some of your favorite, some of the your colleagues' favorite work of the year. Like it doesn't have to be 2021, but recently, who who have you been really like loving the movie looks that you've seen? Oh, there's lots of stuff that I love. I love The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I think The Eyes of Tammy Faye will probably win the Oscar, to be honest. And I just think, I, I think it's really, I think it's great. And what else do I like? I like all the stuff that's in, I, I, I genuinely kind of, all the stuff that's kind of around us at the moment. Dune is fantastic. Um, the prosthetic work in Hasaguchi, oh, yeah. I think, is great. It's a funny thing, though, because I do think there's... We have lots of conversations about it. I do think there's... There almost should be two separate categories for prosthetic makeup and then... We're talking in the Academy Awards for makeup and hair design? BAFTA and Academy and that what, kind of thing. What, yeah. Oh, BAFTA, yeah, yeah. What would the two categories be for you? I think they should be prosthetics and then I think there should be a hair and makeup category mm-hmm. because I think they're two very separate things and it's... You know, it, to put something like, for example, the favorite again, Alien. Like, yeah, it's like it's two yeah. very, it's two very, very, very different, <laughs> different mediums. Really, I tell you what, I loved, which is a long time ago. I loved Dallas Buyers Club. I just loved the makeup in that. I thought it was amazing. Oh. Can you remember that? I thought it was. See now, all I can remember. Is like their bodies and the costumes. Now I'm going to need to go back and look. They won the mate. They won the uh, the Oscar, and I, if I remember rightly, I oh, think yeah, they had about two hundred and fifty dollars yeah, yeah, yeah. in makeup budget. It was something crazy like that, and I, and I just loved what they did. I thought it was incredible. So that actually makes me think. You know, thinking back about who wins awards, whether it's like BAFTA or Academy, or do you think you know, like when an actor puts on a prosthetic or loses a lot of weight, there's always the talk that like, that's going to win them the award. With with your work and your colleagues' work, is there a thing that it's like, oh yeah, that's going to be award-winning because they, you know, did a prosthetic that looked real or that's going to be award-winning because you can't recognize the actor or is it just the most elaborate thing wins? Like what's the, what's, what's the thinking there? That's why I think there should be two separate categories. Prosthetics. Or, because yeah, as soon as there's a, a film with a big prosthetic, everyone will say, well, that's the, that's the Oscar winner. When uh, Bombshell won it, and don't get me wrong, they're amazing makeups. They're incredible. But everybody will say, well, that'll win straight away. When Bombshell won, um, my agent, way before it was the award seasons, it was way down in the year. She said, there's the the Oscar winner there. And it it won. So that that tends to be, I, I think... 
And I t- I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for the underdog. So I tend to like stuff that I think, oh, they've had to do that with no money. Or they've, um, there's a film called, I don't know, if, I think you pronounce yeah. it Titan or Titan that's out at the moment. I think the makeup in that is incredible. But I don't think the film's big enough to get the kind of, the you get this ball rolling behind those big films and it's just everybody's looking at them and, you know, that's what happens in award season. It's um, So I think some of those smaller films kind of get overlooked. Yeah, like the makeup in Pinocchio last year was, gosh, it was unbelievably good. But the winner, Ma Rainey, yeah. I loved all that smudgy, sweaty makeup and hair and... I thought it was fantastic. So yeah, I'm I'm always very inspired by what other people are doing. Like thinking through all the movies you've seen in your lifetime, doesn't even have to be current. What are really iconic makeup and hair design movies for you? Mm, what do I love? I loved, I loved Shakespeare in Love, the makeup in that, the hair in that. It's so, mm-hmm. all those wigs are so grungy and fuzzy and just as they would have been in Elizabethan time that's what they would have looked like so great I love all Guillermo del Toro's films I love Pan's Labyrinth and Uh Shape of Water and um and I love Nightmare Alley at the moment actually you're total punk Nadia just naming your references I can hear like it's (laughs) it's like the little bit a little bit messed up a little bit effed up you know a little grunge in there the not too perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that we don't love like a Sofia Coppola moment where it's like candy colored, like whatever, but... Don't get me wrong. I look I at Marie Antoinette and go, side. oh, that was so good. It was so brilliant. But I I think what happens yeah. with me is not necessarily that film, but generally if I see something that's just great, I kind of go, ah, oh, yeah, perfect, pretty, beautiful. But I'm not drawn in. I kind of love... Yeah, like you said, I love I loved it being a bit fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I love that's that kind the, of that's where the good stuff happens though. Yeah, I love I love that kind of thrown together thing. I think that's where the the magic is sometimes. But I I like that when I about music or films generally or yeah, I tend to like that whatever's off mainstream, I'm in. <laughs> I get it. Um, I can't let you go without talking about some of the tools that you use because this is, you know, our listeners are so curious about this kind of thing. They're talking products. I know you have trunks and trunks of supplies, but, and you have teams of people who now do these things. But what are some of the things that are always on set with you and your team that like you rely on that I might know, not know about because, you know, I often interview red carpet hairstylists and makeup artists, you know? Um, there's these palettes called um, Skill Illustrator palettes, um, and they mm-hmm. are alcohol based, and you you mix them with alcohol, and we use them a lot for SFX makeups, and they are like your get out of jail cut palette. You can do anything <laughs> with them. You really can. Like if someone suddenly goes, oh, we need them to be dirty, or they need a bruise, or whatever it is. They're, they're fantastic. And there's such a sheerness to them as well. So you can blend them and work with them. Um, they're great. Um, I just love the original old... I feel like I'm doing that punk thing again. Uh, <laughs> I love the original old <laughs> tin cases grease palettes. They are They've got about 12 grease paint uh, little pans in them and... 
like the Kryolan. Yeah, like exactly. The those. pre-makeup forever. Like, you know, that one. Yeah. Okay. I just love those. There's a there's a real kind of um, simplicity about them, but knowing that you can do everything with them. And when I look back to the women that I looked up to as I was coming up, that their kit was so basic and that it was, it, that's what it was though. Like one of those palettes and some brushes and, and they could create what they wanted with that. Um, so I, yeah, I love, I love those. I love to try and create from something basic. I love finding an old wig that we think, mm, and going, what about if we did that with it or tried this or tried that? There's, I, I find it boring if I can just go and buy the thing that I, you know, go and have the wig made or I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's like a glutton for punishment that I want to do it the hard way. <laughs> well, also I'm like, now that you're even finding more and more success, it's like we should go back to giving you constraints and smaller budgets and things. And that's where your creativity gets sparked. Oh, believe me, I still do. I went from Cruella to doing a film that... We had no makeup truck, two of us. It was in a, it was an old, like old offices that they converted into like our unit base. So that's where we made the actors up. And but that was my next film after Cruella. So I'd gone from this huge Disney budget to doing this tiny thing with okay. and I, I do that a lot. because I'm always it's always about the script. So and I kind of yeah, I kind of like that challenge. We did two low budget films last year that I just absolutely loved and I was using wigs that were from three films before and we're changing them around and adding things and but I'd, I'd love to see that I think yeah that's where the creativity is. Do you always get to read a script before you say yes or no to a job? Uh, yes but sometimes it's so much of a no-brainer so I just did a film called Poor Things with Emma again and it's Yorgos who did The Favourite and they just emailed me and said, do you want to come and do our next film? And, you know, it's like, yes, whatever whatever it is, yes. So I hadn't read the script at all. I kind of, it's based on a book, so I then quickly read the book. But yeah, it's a no-brainer. So, some, so sometimes I just, because it's the director, I know that they're going to do something interesting. But I always, yeah, yeah but quickly afterwards I'll get the script. You also mentioned the the people that you look up to who did makeup with just, you know, that little tin kit of colors, who are some of those influences for you that you learned from or that you look up to? I'm, I always I always go on about her as a designer called Lisa Westcott, who she won the Academy Award for, for Les Mis. Well, do you know her? Is she like, stop talking about? No, 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 no. It's just that I know I'm always, you know, I, I she gave me her kit when she retired. <laughs> So I have some of these palettes that oh, say cool. her name on the back. And when I pick them up, it's like, I just so, so excited that I've got them. And um, she, um, she really inspires me. There's a designer called Jenny Shercore that does incredible stuff. And she, I just think she's amazing. I remember watching Macbeth that she did with Michael Fassbender. And, she, and the courtiers had this band of blue eyeshadow in, in this dance, uh, uh, and I just thought, there's no way they would have had that 
and because of that, I loved it so much. But also, yeah. it's like, who are we to say they didn't have that? How do we know? There's no photos. So that someone to do... And I, and I spoke to someone that worked on her team for that, and they said, oh, yeah, she'd found a picture of a door somewhere that had some paint on it. It was this blue paint, and she wanted to use that blue to... Stuff like that, I'm just... I absolutely love. So, yeah, there's, there's quite a few yeah. of those. I always think that about... I think about it with sets because I'm like, you picture ancient Rome or ancient Greece and I just picture, you know, like white, stone-colored, whatever. No, there was like paint on there and colors and it could have been very garish. And like, I know that might not work with art direction, but like, who's to say what it needs to look like, right? Well, that was the big thing with the favorite because I researched the hell out of it. And I, when I turned up for my interview, I was saying, this is what they did. In 1704, and this is what they, and Yoga said, how do we know? And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess so. And he said, we don't know, and who's going to tell us that that's wrong? Because there's no photographic evidence of that, so we could do whatever we like. And that's like, yeah, actually, you're right. <laughs> we can, we don't know, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you're lucky to get the freedom to work with people like that. Yeah, I Ooh. think that's been, I think that's been a really big thing for me actually is that I have had the opportunity to do so this this way that I like to work I've had the opportunity to be able to do that because that's not always going to happen you're going to get a job that needs to be absolutely historically correct because you have to tell that story and you don't want the audience jumping out of that time you need them to believe they're in that world so (laughs) I've been you know but I've been really lucky to have people that have just sort of give me a blank canvas, which is that, you know, I'm sure that doesn't happen a lot. So that is very fortuitous. Yeah, I love when um, like movie buffs pick out the anachronistic things and they're like, they see the screen grab of the scene where like the rotary telephone or the wrong kind of telephone is in there. It's, I mean, I find it fascinating. Furious as well, aren't they? They're like, no, they wouldn't have had this and these buttons would have been different and you think... Like, don't watch Cruella. You're like, it's art, people. It's art. Come on. Exactly. Well, that's why I thought I'd get crucified after the favourite. I thought, oh no, people are just not going to get that. But you just have to sort of let go. And They didn't have Elnet. They didn't have Elnet back then. I don't know. There was, you know, that's what... <laughs> Definitely. So before I let you go, I like to do a little speed round of questions if you're up for it. Easy, I guess. Fun. So here's a question. What's the longest amount of time you've needed to get an actor ready? And what film and what scene was it? Probably, probably Cruella. Probably Mm. Cruella. Actually, the, the last film... But I can't say who it is. That was a prosthetic job. That's that's a terrible answer. Um, a, that's a prosthetic, and it's about three and a half hours long. But then after that, I'd say Cruella, a couple of hours for some of those big, you know, like when she's getting out the garbage truck with the wig on and jewels all over her face, that kind of thing. A couple of hours, I'd say. Okay, that's not so bad. I was picturing like you know, ten hours. Or no, whatever. I've not had any that's of those bad. kind of. What's the six yeah. hours in makeup? You're not gonna. Maybe that's the X Men when you're busy doing the X Men. Three years from now or whatever's next. <laughs> What's the shortest amount of time you've gotten a actor ready for set? Oh, that that I mean, because I started an independent film, that could be, you know, can you do this in 20 minutes, half an hour, quickly get them on set or still trying to make them up as they're 
running from the car to get onto set, you know. So there's been lots, there's been way more of those ones than there has of the, here's lots of time to get them ready. That's funny. I have to ask because we talked about like products in your kit, but I imagine taking off the makeup is just an important part or else you maybe just leave them, abandon them at the end of the day. But that doesn't seem like your vibe. So how do you take off some of this makeup? It's always a question that you ask when you meet them, you know, that are you the kind of person that likes to come in? Some people like to sit there and have the full face massage and have a whole like facial and head massage before they go. Some people are jumping in the car and getting out of there. So it just depends. Yeah, mo- most people love that bit. And when you give them the hot towel, I've never known an okay, actor. Well, how's, yeah, how's Emma getting that black grease paint punk eye off though? Like, is there a makeup remover that's the go-to for you? Well, actually she, I remember her using Dizzy's makeup erasers. So they're just those kind of microfiber cloths that you just, they, you just wet them. And I said, these get everything off. You don't need to use any oh, products. Yeah. And she said, it'll never get this off. And I was, I said, it will, it will. And she was so amazed that it got everything off, that that was kind of the go-to product. So it was just water to get it, to get it off. But she does love, she does love skincare. So we would have a little skincare routine after that. And um, she does love a little head massage as well. So we we would do that. Particularly if she's had wigs on and pins and wigs all day. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah. But a, a hot towel is always... What about you? Are you into skincare? Yeah, I, I I really got into it uh, during what do you like? lockdown, actually. I really started following lots of <laughs> dermatologists and watching loads of IGTVs and learning lots more about um, acids. And I, I didn't really, I, I think my skincare routine for work and for myself had been more basic than that before. And been a kind of cleanse tone moisturizer for a long time. And then I realized there's this whole other world of skincare. So I really um, got in. I bought this book called uh, by Caroline Hirons, and that is just it's great. It's so basic and it really kind of teaches you everything that I was into it. So yeah, I've definitely got way more products on the makeup truck now than I had before. And I'm a skincare pusher. You know what? She's been on our podcast and I've known her for a while. I feel like you guys would totally be friends. Oh, you know what? She's one of those people that, um, do you know when you watch people and go, I actually think you'd be my best friend, but you don't know it. She is absolutely (laughs) one of those people. I love how she's so like, doesn't give a shit. Like, you know, she's so her. I love I love that. So I'm, uh-huh. I'm, that makes me really happy because yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. She's a punk like you. So that yeah, I, I got off track with my speed round because um, I got excited <laughs> about your skincare routine. Um, sorry, no worries. <laughs> There's two more. There's two more. That's all. Go go. Your go-to drink or food or snack order when you go to the cinema. What do you What do you get? Oh well, I don't know. So what what I'll do is tell you what I had. The last time I went to the cinema, I went to watch West Side Story and my friend came back. She Uh went to get snacks. So it was not my choice, but I was delighted with, because it was at Christmas time, a Baileys with some ice and and popcorn. Oh. I was delighted. I would never Oh, that's lovely. I would never, ever have chosen that if I'd have gone up there myself. But that's what we had and I was very happy with it. Okay, well, what do you choose? Are you not a creature of habit? There's not like a go-to order. What do you usually get? Mm, it's the only time I'd eat popcorn, so I'd definitely go popcorn. 
I'm a bit of a kind of old yeah. old school because I wouldn't okay. eat popcorn any other time. So I'd go for a, a sweet and salted mix popcorn. Yeah. And what's and what's the sweet that goes with it? Oh, that well, that's all I have. But I'd have the sweeted popcorn, sweet popcorn, and salted popcorn mixed together. Oh, like the you know, like we a don't have that. Like don't a, you? the. the uh, I imagine your not snacks. In the, not in the movies always. I imagine your snacks at the cinema. No, they always have like weird like corn dogs with cheese sauce. It's like, uh, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Or like Dippin' Dots ice cream. What's this? I'm sorry. I'm not going to the movies to eat ice cream. That feels wrong. It's always weird to me when you go to these fancy cinemas and someone's ordered like a full on like lunch or meal. I think, no, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm too old school with... I'm definitely being popcorn, <laughs> M and M's type scenario. I think. Okay. Okay. I like it. <laughs> All right. Last question: If there was a movie made of your life, who would play you? Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I said this once, and somebody really laughed and went, "No." Do you know? Um, do you know an English actress called Kathy Burke that was in, she's in a film called Nil by Mouth that Gary Oldman made. She's, um, check, check her out. She is absolutely like a kind of punk sort of no bullshit. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, yeah, check, check her out. Anyone that's listening that knows who she is would, would immediately go, oh, that, yeah, I understand why you would choose her. And that, um, because I don't think it would be anyone super... I can't think of any sort of film stars that I go that are super glamorous that would be me. Yeah, maybe her. <laughs> I'd like to think Julianne Moore, but, I, you know, her. I'm not. She's way too... She's way too glamorous. <laughs> it's whatever. It's your movie. Maybe, you know, yeah. make it what you want. But um, <laughs> I, I think you picked a good one. Uh, this was so fun. Thanks for sharing uh, a little bit about your career and your work with us. Oh, yes. Thank, thank you so much for asking. Honestly, I'm really, really honored, especially now I know that Caroline's done one as well. That's, I must go back and find it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tag her when we post about this and see if I can't make a love match over there in England. Thank you again. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. 
Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's highest hair is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.